if I were an atheist, I would stick to one argument. I'd drop all my arguments and stick with one. Suffering. That would be my argument. If there's a loving God, why is there so much suffering in the world, often egregious suffering? I think there are a lot of good theological answers to that. But at the gut level, that's something we all ask ourselves. At least when we're experiencing suffering, because when you're experiencing suffering, it's your whole world. A lot of people will say, and I probably said this when I was younger. I'm sure I said it when I was younger. Oh, I wish I could be religious. I wish I could have faith. It must, it must be so comforting, especially in tough times. Eh, nah, not really. Not really. I guess a little bit. Not really. And suffering is really the great equalizer. Because when you're suffering, that's it. That's your whole world. All-encompassing. There is no room for the transcendent, in my experience anyway. I think about people I know, some, some of my friends, family, who have uh, suffered and continue to suffer from uh, depression. Thankfully, I've had very little uh, experience with that. I don't know how I dodged that bullet. I'm, I'm in the agoraphobic severe anxiety disorder camp over here. You know, we kind of hide out in our little, our little cave over here. You talk to somebody who's in the depths of depression, and you can say, "Look, this is this is going to pass. You know, you'll you'll get back to feeling like yourself." And it's true, but it's it's not going to get through most likely because it just seems to be everywhere and everything, and it seems to be who you are. We have lost in this country the ability to think seriously about suffering and to think seriously about things like patience and sacrifice. I think that we have, in a way, maybe done too well, economically at least. We've been so successful, we're such a wealthy country, that we have gotten to the point where no matter where you stand politically, left or right or in between, Believer, non-believer, no matter where you are in this country, you most likely feel in your heart of hearts that whatever you want should be yours and you shouldn't have to sacrifice too much for it, if anything, and you certainly shouldn't have to be patient. When you see immigrants coming to this country, and we have a long history of this, and working insane hours, menial labor, 
really lousy jobs in order to maybe build up their business, put their kids through college and all that. They're coming from a culture that understands that. And they come to this country and say, okay, if I want what this country has to offer, here are the things I have to do. But those of us who are born and raised here seem to have lost that. We don't want to sacrifice, and we certainly don't want to be patient. We don't want to be humble. We don't want to be small. We all want to be big shots. We all want to be the stars of our own movies. We want to matter. And of course, it's hard enough to be alive and in the world as is, but when you put that added pressure on yourself, it's tough. And we do all have our cross to bear. I have had to come to terms with the fact that I am an oddball, a weirdo. And I've always known it as far back as I can remember. There was just something off. I knew it when I was a kid. And uh, it was terrifying at times. It was difficult at times and still is. It's a cross that uh, I can be reflective about, but if you really pushed, really got to the real, the real heart of the matter, you know, put a gun to my head, I would say, no, I didn't deserve this. I didn't earn this. It's not right and it's not fair. But it's still there, and I still am who I am, and I have to navigate the world with my cross, as do we all. And the benefit of that is that you no longer have to lie to yourself about a world where there is some sort of secret that everybody else, or at least some people, understand about how to live life. And that if you could just somehow get in sync with that, everything would be okay. It doesn't exist. You see this all the time uh, with people who are successful and seemingly very happy, have everything they could want. Think about the guy never saw his TV show, not familiar with his work at all. I just know his name and that he was famous. But the guy, Anthony Bourdain, and the world was his oyster, wasn't it? Until it wasn't. And you realize there's some cracks there, and often those cracks turn into chasms. Uh, we all have that. When you realize that, you can take one of two approaches. You can say, boy, the world is, is just awful. The world is absolutely awful. It's like something out of Lovecraft. It is... Uh, a yawning, eternal black hole of merciless evil. Or you can say there is some mystery here. When the atheist says there can't be a loving God because of all the needless suffering in the world, we have, like I said, those those good, solid theological 
answers for that. But really at the heart of it is mystery. If we're being honest, it's mystery. The world is a hellhole, or there's something here that I'm not getting. There's something here that I'm not understanding that is much bigger than me or anyone else. There's much more vast, uh, there's much more comprehensive, and I probably am incapable of understanding it at this point. And when that happens, when you have that realization, you can stop worrying so much about trying to fix yourself. You can accept that you're broken and work with that brokenness to make your way. And doesn't mean you're not going to be frustrated and pissed off about that cross anymore. You know, acceptance doesn't mean it never bothers you again. Just means that you stop trying to create a fantasy world. You accept this is where I'm at, and you realize almost immediately, pretty bad, maybe, but it's not as bad as it could be, and, uh, and I can work with this. Don't want to, wish I didn't have to, but I can work around this somehow. And uh, in my case, it means my world is smaller than I sometimes wish it was, but I can work within that to do the things that I'm driven to do creatively, take care of my family. I don't know how. I don't know how I lucked into uh, this life that I have where in spite of my uh, in spite of my problems, I'm able to uh, kind of take care of things. But you don't have to fix yourself and and you can just relax and live when you don't have that pressure on yourself anymore. And mystery is the foundation of art. When we lose that, when we make art about the personal and the political, it really stops being art. When it no longer attempts to speak to the universal, and I don't mean just the universal experience, I mean the universal that we know, not intellectually, but in our hearts. The connection that we make with an audience that has nothing to do with commerce. It's not producer-consumer based. It's based on a language that is not spoken. Art is a form of communication. It is a language. And because it's not spoken, because you can't really even define it, you can't pin it down, it's sort of hard to make it that argument. And yet, we all believe it. If we didn't, we wouldn't listen to music. We wouldn't look at art. We wouldn't go to the movies or the theater. So we know that there's something there that is understood by all of us, I think, 
to be the truth or to represent the truth or speak to the truth. You don't make a fan uh, as a musician by, by going out and you know, getting on stage and jumping at all the right spots and, you know, all that. I mean, that stuff is cool. We've got nothing against it. But, but that's not how you make a connection with somebody where you end up with a fan for life. That passes very quickly. You know, the bands who are kind of the flavor of the moment and they're doing whatever is popular at the moment, nobody remembers them in five years, certainly not in 50. There's no lasting value to it because it's solely entertainment. And uh, entertainment is important. Entertainment is of great value, but it's not really of much lasting value. And, uh, and so if you create art, music, literature, poetry, whatever it is, your goal, if you're going to do something great, is to transcend that and to create something that has that deeper connection to speak to that universal truth. And so when we wall ourselves off and say, no, this is my experience and you, and you can't relate, like I'll share it with you and you can read about it, but it's not, it's not your, it's not your experience. So you can't understand the deeper things that I'm talking about. Uh, you've missed the point. When you make it political, you've reduced it to propaganda. That's not what art is. That's not what it's meant to be. So there's a reason that I find it very important that we acknowledge mystery in the universe. And it's not just for religious reasons. I think it is what... uh, It is what really makes life bearable. If the world is nothing but the physical, then the world isn't worth much of anything. And I don't think any of us really believe that. I don't think the staunchest atheist in the world really believes that the, that the world is, and everything in it is reducible to the material. Because we have a word for people who really believe that, and that word is psychotic. And I don't think most people are psychotic. And the real psychotics would never admit that they think that. So you've got to try to focus on the mystery, on what's important. And if you're in art, you also have to be entertaining. And I think artists have always known that. I don't think that has anything to do with the times we're living in. When I go, when I walk into a church, you'll see this a lot if you go to a mass on a weekday. You walk into a church, and uh, you know, 15 minutes before the mass is going to start, you got the people who are praying the rosary, and you got the people who are just, it was like their last refuge. You don't know what's going on in their life, but man, it's, it's pretty heavy stuff. And they're down there on their knees, head bowed. And there's something about that that gets me 
every time. I love those people. Cherish those people, really. And those people get it more than I ever have, probably more than I ever will. And this is, I think, maybe to some degree what St. Paul talked about when he said, uh, it's when I'm weak that I am strong. We don't need to have everything we want. We certainly don't need it right now. We definitely don't have a right to it. And I think that life is more bearable, more joyful, when you begin to recognize that. As always, I love you very much. Have a great week. I will be with you again next Monday. So long.